Welcome, everybody, to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You will find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now let's get into today's episode. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host. I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. And this is going to be a pretty interesting conversation. This is one I've been looking forward to for a while, and it's going to be on one of those niche and uniquely branded tactics called absolute marketing, which sounds like absolute fun to me. To reveal to us what this is, we have with us the creator, Elizabeth Pampalone. Let me just tell you a little bit about her. Elizabeth is an international speaker, successful entrepreneur, and expert marketer with over 20 years of experience. Her innovative approach helps overwhelmed business owners and burnt out nonprofit directors to achieve success and freedom through the power of absolute marketing. So Elizabeth Pampalone, come on in. The weather's fine. Hey, thanks for having me. I know my voice isn't doing so well today, but you know, we gotta we gotta charge on through these things. Before we dive into what you have to share with us today, and it does sound pretty interesting based on what you shared with me a few moments ago, I what we like to do here at Business Creators Radio is take a step back. I shared a little bit about your background from your official bio. So tell us a bit about your story and your journey and what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. In 2007, I started my business after going through kind of a crappy divorce. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I I lost pretty much everything. I was like down to, you know, the the little bit of <laughs> spare room that my parents had left in their house. And I said, you know what, I need to do something that is going to serve me and actually help me to grow something for the future. Because you know, when you are, you're married and that kind of thing, sometimes you rely too much on the other person. And I think I did that. So I wanted to build something for myself. And I started a computer repair company in 2007. I had that company for 10 years and I sold it to one of our employees um, after that time had come up. And I had also started a marketing agency in about 2010, 11, um, 12, somewhere in there. It's kind of, once you get past like 10, 15 years of doing something, you kind of forget where <laughs> where the origins were and <laughs> what things happened. So, um, but yeah, I, I started it back then and I really wanted to take what I had done with my business of the computer repair business and share that knowledge with the other business owners that I had started to meet. Because when I first started my business, I thought, I was just doing something on the side. It didn't really think it seemed like a business to me. And when I started meeting other business owners at networking events, and I started seeing that there was this whole community of people, I was like, oh my gosh, now I can actually use my degree <laughs> that's in yeah. marketing and in web design. And I started to build that firm out. And I just decided, you know, it just got so to the point where I was burning myself out. 
I was building these sites. People didn't have the time to get me stuff. People didn't have anything to, to help me. Like they were saying, well, I want to do this site, but I don't have any time to tell you what I need to put on it or get you the information you need. And so I said, you know what? I need to do this differently and do marketing differently because for myself, I would sit down, I would sit down for one day and I would build a new website. Or if I needed a new brand for something that I was a project I was working on, I would sit down for one day and build out that brand. If I needed social media done for myself, I didn't have time to do it every day. And I would sit down and do it for myself in one day for the whole year. And that's how I streamlined my life and my other businesses. And when I realized, why don't I just do what I've been doing for myself, which obviously is working for my clients, it was basically this whole idea of absolute marketing was born. And I decided to put it into a five-day system so that it was nice and compact and someone could start any time of the year, really, and build all of their marketing for an entire year in just five days. Wow. Uh, see, that's the part that intrigues me. The idea of being able to build this out for a year in just five days. I've heard stories about that. I know somebody who has his routine marketing planned out going months, months and months and months in advance, which I think is awesome. I myself am more of a spur of the moment guy. I would like to get a little more systematic about this. And that's part of what attracted me to the prospect of having you on our show today. So what I'd like to do here, I know you have a number of different components you wanna cover with us, but first of all, let's define our terms. What is absolute marketing other than your brand name, of course? Right. It is the system that allows you to use only what is absolutely necessary to run a successful business and have successful marketing. I don't think that marketing is something that should be uh, on your mind all the time. <laughs> it shouldn't right. be something you worry about at night before you go to bed. Um, it shouldn't be something where you say, oh my gosh, I forgot to, to post on social media. Like that should not be part of your life. And so it really is this, this system of freedom and allowing you to break free from this day-to-day -day, um, ball and chain that we call marketing. And it is a way to basically streamline everything so that you can do something once and benefit from it multiple times over. Okay, that's great. But how do we know what's essential? How do we know what uh, we absolutely need to be doing? And I and how do we know the answer is the same for everybody? Well, I have been working with small businesses for over 20 years and realized that there were five to seven things that everybody needs. And I say five to seven because there are five main things that everyone needs. And then there are two extra things that now at this point in our, in our ecosystem of, of what marketing has become, pretty much everybody needs these two as well. Um, but the main five is everyone needs a brand, something that connects with their audience and says, I belong here. When I see it, I feel it. I understand it. It says I belong. Uh, they need a good website that's solid, that has the right calls to action, that has the right information so that when someone does land on your, on your website to find information, or they're there to buy even, that they can actually do those things and that it works properly and that they feel like they can keep coming back to the site and it's going to keep bringing them value. And then the social media is another piece. Everybody thinks that marketing is social media. And I believe that's totally false. Marketing right. is only, social media is only a part of your marketing. 
It's not all of your marketing. And so we use that as the middle, middle pillar of our five pillars um, of marketing, which is, you know, brand website and then social media. So it comes third in the list, but it really is that stable middle pillar. That's really going to give you this great foundation. If you can continually put stuff out on social media on a regular basis, once a week, twice a week, once a day, even that's going to give you much better reach. And it's also going to give you that consistency that those, those platforms are looking for. And you're not going to have to worry about it if you do it all in one day and set it up. And then we have um, blogging, which is actually how you build your SEO and your credibility online through Google and things like that. Um, and Google isn't really a, a question, isn't really a search engine anymore. It's a question engine. So we want to build our blogs to answer people's questions and help them to find the information they're looking for. And haha, they're on our site. So now they found it through us. Um, And then with email marketing, we're basically taking all of that information we've pulled together, whether it's um, blogs or stuff from our website or just information that we're going to be, you know, at an event or something. We're speaking at a summit online. We're going to take all that information and we're going to send that out and remind people who do know us and who do like us Don't forget we're doing these things and keeping ourselves top of mind to our current customer base. So those are the five pieces that are the absolute essentials. Um, I believe that every single business needs those things. It doesn't really matter what type of business it is. All the businesses I've worked with over the years, everything from, you know, groomers to doctors, to lawyers, to restaurants, to food trucks. I mean, just, you can name any type of business, service product, um, food. It doesn't really matter. And all of those businesses need those pieces. The two that are new additional pieces, kind of new to the fold, would be podcasting and memberships. Those are going to be more for your service-based businesses. Um, but in, in most service-based business cases, those are going to be essential as well. All right. But I thought email marketing was dead. I mean, I've been in business no. <laughs> for 16 years myself, and I've seen so many deaths of email marketing. The Gmail tabs were the death of email marketing. Castle was the death of email marketing. Oh, GDPR absolutely killed it because that's where, because <laughs> remember with GDPR, we were trying to figure out how to get consent to ask for consent, to ask for consent to request right. consent in order to gain the consent to ask for the consent to uh, acquire their consent consent to receive their consent to I swear to God I actually saw something like that written in a forum once and some mm-hmm. of my followers may recall that after we went through months and months and months of this GDPR hysteria I finally wrote and uh, I'm gonna come out and say this because I have not given my listeners this gift in a while uh, when you, you were, I mean, you being in the industry, you are, you probably were affected by the GDPR thing. And you recall the deadline of GDPR, you know, being in the business you are, that uh, it was affecting your clients and affecting you. And uh, there was this whole disguise falling thing going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, I can be very subtle in my messaging sometimes. So as we got to about April 23rd, and all of a sudden, everybody had a webinar up on GDPR and what it means to you. I wrote, basically, if at this point you want us to listen to what you have to say about GDPR, you. <laughs> I bleeped it to be nice, but you know what I said. I actually <laughs> typed it out. Uh, at that point, it was profiteering. And I've seen yeah. these deaths of email marketing. And all that ever happens is the people that were doing it the right way all along are still keeping on, keeping on once all the dust settles. Mm -hmm. 
So I want to get your thoughts on that because this is something that frequently comes up in discussion within our communities. Mm-hmm. Just the whole thing about how email marketing continues to be one of your five pillars. Let's put it that way. Well, it continues because like you said, when you're doing it the right way, you're doing it the right way. <laughs> it's going to yeah. work for you. And why would somebody stop doing something that's working? That's my whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so what, Again, this is a very common listener question. Would you recommend to some of your best practices for pillar number five? We'll get to some of the other pillars too. And I know there's some other issues you want to cover, but this is one that comes up in almost at least once a year with all of my own clients. And I see it in forums all the time is how do we get people to actually open, read, and act on this stuff? A lot of it has (laughs) to do with simplicity. Okay. A lot of people try and send the traditional newsletter because they think, well, I don't want to annoy them, so I'll send one email a month. Okay, let's talk about that. If you send one email a month and it has 12 items in it, 12 actionable items, whether you're going to read the item, you're going to RSVP for this item or, you know, listen to that item, it doesn't matter. So you've got 12 actionable items in here and that might be you know, something in the header, three or four articles down the middle, five different um, event, you know, item locations, list links there. So you, you get to 12 pretty quickly. Right. If you send that to somebody, especially I'm going to say me as an example, I'm going to glance over it. If the subject line doesn't interest me at all, which means you now have to pick which one of the 12 things is going to interest me. Yeah. Uh, You know, then I might not even open it, but if let's say I do open it, I'm going to glance over it, go, Okay, I don't got I don't have time for this. I don't have my calendar in front of me. I am probably on my phone in a drive-through somewhere. You know, I am <laughs> not in the middle of, you know, in the midst of trying to scroll through this and sift through every single link. So what do I do? I either delete it because, well, there's probably nothing I can do at this point with it. And it might even be three days old um, or a week old. And maybe I might archive it, which will never be seen again. Or I will leave it in my inbox and then it will haunt me for the next how many ever days it's in my inbox. And it will waste my time by me having to look at it and go, wait, what was that again? Oh, yes. And so, you know, that kind of thing, that that newsletter idea and people think, well, I don't want to annoy you. Well, now you've just I've just listed about eight ways you've annoyed me and you didn't even know you were doing it. And so the next time I see that email, I'm going to say I don't want the guilt. I don't want to sift through your 50 million links. I don't want to do all these things, unsubscribe. So if you were to do this a little differently per se, if you have an event you want me to know about, send me an email about that event. And I can say, yay or nay, keep or delete, open or delete, moving on, right? RSVP or not, end of story. Then you have, you know, a podcast that comes out. And I say, oh, I want to listen to that. I pop it open. I have it open in a tab while I'm reading my other emails. And I'm listening to your podcast now. Um, uh-huh. Maybe I get another email that says, we just launched our new, our new blog post. I might open up the blog post. It says it's a two-minute read. Perfect. I have two minutes. Read, done, action taken. So if I send three emails, I am less annoyed by those three emails because I can take action on them when and where I want to or save them for future use. If I wanted to leave them in my inbox, I would say, oh, right, that's that email that has the podcast in it. When I have time for that, I'm going to go to the email, find the the email that has the podcast in it, click on it and open it. But if it's buried, 
in an email of, of 12 links or 12 different action items, one, I probably don't know it's there. And two, I'm probably not going to go back to that email because it's not going to be triggering me to scroll through and go, there's the podcast. So I'd rather see somebody send three emails that have one thing at a time described than to send one email chock full of stuff that I'm probably never going to open. I've dealt with this for years myself. This, this goes back to the very beginning of my involvement in online marketing, which was 17 years ago. Is uh, and Now, I have clients who send electronic newsletters, and I have one who sends a print newsletter. And in the cases that they do this, it's actually fairly effective. And I'll tell you some of the reasons why. And it actually, believe it or not, addresses some of your issues. Uh, one of which is, uh, well, I get this really long thing and it's got all these subheadlines in it and what have you. It's because to the greatest extent possible, I get them to listen to me. I'm not cramming every damn thing into their newsletter. Mm-hmm. The idea, the idea, as I understand it, and I want to get your thoughts on this. See, this is what makes the Business Creators Radio Show so interesting is when our listeners tune in, it's like they're tuning into a private mastermind conversation. You made a very important point a moment ago about how if you get three separate emails and one of them is my new podcast came out, check this out, click here to listen, that you'll open that podcast episode and you'll keep it streaming while you go on and do other things. We found through studies of listener behavior to podcasts like ours in general and inquiries and surveys with our own known listeners that that is the primary mode in which people consume the business creators radio show. They stream it in the background while they're doing other things. Mm -hmm. So that's why I will sometimes actually say things that make people jump out of their chairs because I'm, break, <laughs> I'm breaking the pattern interrupt. Uh, based on my stu- my understanding of avatars and what have you, I actually bleeped out the word that in other episodes I would have said. So in this case, I used a beeping sound to get people to remember that. Remember that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that's to get the, and see, I did it again a second time, and for the same reason as the first, because now people are thinking, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait a minute, what's going on there? <laughs> and then they lean in again, just when maybe the sound in the background is starting to sound like the character from Peanuts, and actually, or the, or the teacher from Peanuts. And actually, that's an interesting metaphor for email marketing in general. If it seems like a bunch of words that just drone on. Mm-hmm. that's going to tune people out. So yeah, my final point on newsletters is uh, they can be very effective when they're a piece of the strategy. And yeah. where I generally assign them is you want to keep them concise so that your average viewer can scan it, pick one or two things that are interesting to them and spend two to three minutes consuming it. And if you can get that pre- that formula together they scan the items in the newsletter they pick one or two things that are of interest to them they explore those one or two things it takes them a minute or two to do each they will feel like they got the full value out of that periodical if you expect them to do more they will tune out because it'll take them too much time so in my view newsletters or e-newsletters or e-zines or what have you are a form of awareness marketing they should not be the only piece you send out but they're a piece that allows you to have a consistency people expect to hear from your brand they look forward to hearing from your brand they know they're going to hear from your brand at a certain time of day a certain time of week every time Mm 
so if you're having a slow week otherwise, you're going to be in touch with them at least once. If you're having a very busy week in terms of things you're sharing or promoting or something like that, uh, that allows you to move some non-essential items over to the side while you're promoting your webinar, your course, your launch, what have you. That's my thought on it. Yeah, and, and I, I agree with that. Uh, I would say that I just personally prefer and have used and have seen it. You work, you know, the best for for clients that I've worked with and myself is that one, one item, one approach, you know, one yes. item, one email. Um, but I do know that, you know, two or three items in an email is not a, a bank breaker, right? It's not going to make them unsubscribe, but it does when you get to that 12 limit, that 10 limit, that yeah. you know, eight limit, that's when you're really overloading that user. So I, I do agree with you. I think as long as you keep it short and concise and you're really purposeful, um, you want something, somebody to read that email and say, well, that impacted me in some way, whether it was like, cause I took an action or I, you know, I learned something or I gained some knowledge or I was able to RSVP for something that I didn't know was happening right. at, you know, at event or whatever. So. Exactly. Exa exactly. So I wanted to put newsletters in context because uh, I'm actually seeing in some areas a trend back toward the easing type thing. And this is where I push back and I say, how much more stuff are we going to cram into this? And my advice for business creators is if you have, uh, if you have a process for putting out a weekly easing or something along those lines, what will save you a lot of grief is hard deadlines. So yes. in order for something to make it into the easing, it has to be submitted to the curator or the person who formats it in completed form by X date of the week before, the day before, three days before, something like that. If it's not done in that time frame, too, set, too bad, so sad, there's no amount of existentialism that will justify an exception. And that's what brings us to social media. Yes, yes, yes. I want to make one rather final point about um, email marketing, and this is actually transitions into social media very nicely, so you bring this up perfectly, is digital literacy. Mm. If I open up something, whether it's a social media post or an email post or an email or something, and I see long paragraphs mm -hmm. with multiple sentences no bullet points, and it reads like a philosophy textbook from college, I will set that aside to get back to it never. I would probably just unsubscribe that. That'd be me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, 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 have, I have had, now my current clients don't do this because I, I, candidly, I have them trained pretty good and they tend to be very, they tend to be very concise communicators. It's just what I attract. Uh, but I know that in the past, I've had clients who would write, seven paragraph novels and be like <laughs> okay i'll get to this later and later never came and i and i my breakthrough on this is one one day a client said why why i i sent you an email uh, did, did, why didn't you reply to it i said my eyes hurt thinking about having to read the novel you wrote me TLDR people. All right. So let's go to social media, which is one of your other pillars. And I have some points about that too, but you lead the way. Yeah. So I, I was just saying it's a good segue because, you know, when you have those things that don't make it into the quote newsletter, right? They don't yeah. make it. They're not, they're of the moment. 
Um, I actually, when I do my main social media sessions with clients, we build an entire year in one day. And someone says to me, well, how do I know what posts I'm going to be putting up in June? Or how do I know if I'm selling houses? I'm a realtor. What am I going to sell in? I don't know what houses I'm going to sell in June. And and it's January. I'm putting all these posts together. So what I try to tell them is if you have evergreen content, that's what you should be creating for the year because all the other stuff what gets in our way when we try to create social media is the volume of it yeah. and the consistency of it. And so if we think to ourselves, I have to post something every single day that restrains our creativity because now we're, we're worried about what we have to actually post and how do we say it? And we don't want to repeat ourselves and da, 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 da. Then all these things run through our minds. But really, if we were able to create every single day, let's say one post a day or three, even three posts a week, at like I say a minimum, I was creating one post a day. And I, I just created, okay, I'm a realtor, let's say, and what kinds of things are recurring for realtors? What kinds of things are the same and true yesterday, today, and pretty much forever? The same thing's going to be true this January or this February or this April or this June is going to be the same thing that's true next April, next February, next June. Those, those things are decorating certain things that people, they say don't have any family photos when you're staging your house. Have, make sure you've gotten you know someone to do your landscaping for your curb appeal. All these things that they educate their clients on uh-huh. day in and day out have not changed since at least the 80s. <laughs> right. So those kinds of things are the things that they should be reminding people of. Talking about, have you talked to um, your mortgage lender about XYZ? Have you looked at the tax implications of selling your house this year? Have you, and those things, yeah, while the, while the numbers may change and those instances may change, the, the questions are still the same. The education is still the same. And it's just about applying it to the tax rate of this year or the tax climate of this year or what whatnot, right? So, you know, when they're, and they, they say two things like, make sure that your house is painted neutral colors on the inside. Okay, well, now I got to go paint all the rooms. Here's a, here's a good paint that we like, or here's a place uh-huh. where you can... Here's a person we, we know they're going to be in business probably next year. Right. So within that time frame, you can put all this evergreen content in and that's your consistency layer. And the thing you mentioned about being spon- you know, spontaneous, this, this system does not take away your spontaneity because when those things do come up and you're like, oh my gosh, I got to list this house. I need to promote it on social media. That's an of the moment thing, but you're not bogged down and creatively drained by the other days when you didn't have a house to sell and you didn't have anything in, you know of the moment to say that you were busy hustling working and doing the normal daily grind right and so instead of having all that creativity drained from all those regular days these special or important days when you do have something important or spontaneous to say you have more creativity you're excited to post something you're like i just have to do one and this just makes me feel so good to just do one thing just one post today and i might not have to post for a week because all my posts are already running and then if i have something exciting to say next week great i'll post that too so do you see how that kind of frees up that brain capacity to just let you feel lighter and not worry about i have to post every single day you know especially when those other things kind of come on top of you posting every day going, this is important. This is urgent. This is something of the moment that can only be posted right now. Yeah. Um, and see that that's where 
that that I think is very helpful. I, I know I'm trying to find the words here. It's, uh, the just excitement You're speechless, of the. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. The, the weight is just lifting off my shoulders, and I'm trying to stay grounded to earth. <laughs> but yeah, it's again, it's like a mixture of items, and I know that there may not be one specific so-called correct answer to well, what exactly should I post every day? What exactly should I? queue up every day because uh, I, I what I'm gathering here and correct me if I'm mistaken is you're speaking of a combination of when you have something unique to say on a given day you go ahead and do it but otherwise you have something pre-programmed for the entire year and yes. you use some kind of repeater syndicator that schedules things to appear once a year so theoretically you could set something up where either you one day a year, you just devote an entire day to popping in a year's worth of content and, and programming it to hit once a day for a year. Or that's what we do. You can yeah. actually, or and that, and I've seen other people do this where they will do a similar thing where they'll program a year's worth and they'll just have that same cycle repeat every year. And and you, if you think about it, you know, some people say you shouldn't repeat things, but I would be very interested to see a. Uh, um, like a survey of people to tell me if they had seen these social posts. Let's say we knew exactly which social posts they'd seen from this somebody they follow. And we said, here are three posts. Which of these have you seen? It's like when the, when they ask the people, here are three target logos. Which one is the real target logo? No one can ever know. They, know, they always get it wrong because it's something you've seen, but you didn't actually uh, you know, comprehend or your brain didn't actually register. Right. And so, um, very few people will get that, that right. And so I've, I've seen studies like that with, with posts as well, where you might've seen something three weeks ago, but if I post it in another three weeks, you're not going to remember you saw it. You might say this looks familiar, or if you, if it really impacted you, you're going to go, wow, that's a great reminder. But most people, it, they either never saw it because of the algorithms or they just glanced and it was so fleeting that their brain didn't even register it as being remembered. I have, I have, uh, I have a quick observation. I have a little social experiment I recently conducted to, uh, to that verifies your point. Uh, first of all, uh, anybody who's listening, go to your favorite news uh, social media platform, uh, particularly on something like Facebook, where you have the uh, longer article form, and. I'll give you one example. And again, this, you know, this has nothing to do with partisanship. It's just an example of what I'm referring to. The Daily Wire. If you see mm -hmm. an article posted on the Daily Wire's Facebook feed or Ben Shapiro's personal fan page, scroll for 24 hours. I must guarantee you're going to see that article posted three times within 24 hours. Yep. <laughs> the reason, and 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 I'm that's just one that's on top of my mind. But I've seen that in many of those commentator type political social issue type websites. The reason that I understand they do it is because they will catch people at different times in different places in different moods, yep. and they also and they Absolutely. also do testing on what comments or what or what language they put with the post gets the most engagement. Yeah. And it's like AB testing for, for posting. Yeah. I, I they don't get called out on it. They do no, not get no. called out on, Hey, you just posted that article 14 hours ago. What's going on? No, they don't get called and most out people, on it. And that's why I mentioned the thing about when we talked about email, people see three emails, they're like, okay, I'm dealing with these three emails. One, two, three dealt with rather yeah. than 
it's in here. It's got 10 things in it. I've got to read it. And, you know, and, and when you have the, the repetitive posts like that, like you said, no one's calling them out on it because you see it. And then if you've already dealt with it in your mind and you've already acknowledged it, you've already commented, you've already done something with it. You just go, Oh, I already did that. And so, you know, when you do reminders for events or reminders for, you know, uh, webinars or anything like that, people don't actually find them annoying, but if you don't do them, you're not going to catch the people that didn't see it the first time or that didn't act the first time. And so I believe definitely in repeating posts. I think obviously, you know, the news cycles, they're doing it for the of the moment. Like when that tomorrow, that news story will be old, right? Yeah. <laughs> there won't be, there'll be new news and it'll be different. Um, and so, but with businesses, a lot of the stuff that we post, it isn't about tomorrow that will be old. It's about maybe next week that might be old or next yeah. month that might be old. And so we have a lot more leeway there. And repeating ourselves is actually doing our, our customers a service rather than a disservice. And we're not really annoying them, like I said. Yeah. All right. So here's a little experiment that I recently conducted. And I know that I have listeners who uh, are buddies of mine who are about to find out that they just participated in a social experiment without realizing it. So here we go. I'm going to I'm going to get I'm going to get roasted for this later. But oh, well, uh, there's a cigar shop I hang out here at here in Las Vegas. And so about a week or so ago, I started uh, making a little joke about something Uh and and I'll, I'll try. It's one of those things where it's probably funnier if you were actually there. But the gist of it is, is I would uh, I would uh, go to the cooler where they where they sell uh, a variety of different uh, drinks and such, and I would uh, you know, grab a beer and then sit down and crack <laughs> open my beer. And I'd be having a beer with the fellas. Now you know by beer I mean A and W. <laughs> and so I and so I, I repeated this joke three times in three days when I noticed that there was a little bit of a different crowd each time but with some overlap with the regulars and then I kept alluding to it for maybe about a week and then one and then and then I went to my social media and I posted uh, hey man lots of work to do but right now I'm relaxing with a cigar and a beer and then as a reply to my own post I put a picture of myself holding a cigar or not of myself cuz uh, selfies kill and I refuse to take them but a picture <laughs> of me, but a picture of my hand holding a cigar and a can of A&W root beer all right, so people were thinking, oh, here he goes with his lame joke. All right, that's where I stopped telling the joke because by that point, it started to come back to me. Uh, two nights ago, I was there, and one of the regulars said, hey, man, you having a beer? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and, then, and, then, and then another guy went up to the refreshment uh, refrigerator, and, uh, and he called over, yo, Adam, uh, one, one way, bring your beer. <laughs> and then there was a side conversation that turned into a debate uh, with, with actual research being done on smartphones about whether root beer should be considered actual beer. <laughs> so the reason, and, and see, you actually get this. I knew it was going to be one of those, yeah, it's actually funnier when you're there type stories. But the point of the experiment was to repeat something just often enough that it'll become a joke that takes on currency of its own. And it'll be something that people think of when they think of you. 
That so now, my, so now I'm thought of as a branding thing too. Yeah, that goes into yeah, branding. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm thought of as, oh, he's at he's at he's at wise ass that drinks root beer and says he's having a beer. <laughs> well, that goes definitely to branding because, um, yeah. you know, when I I got a set of um, photos done, branding photos, um, and I had taken several outfits with me to the shoot, and I ended up wearing this green dress and okay. I, I had a green, another green shirt that I wore and then I had a black and white, you know, top and, you know, just a couple other things. And these green photos, I don't know. They just, I put it up on my social media. I started using it in my presentations and things and people started to just, it started to catch on. And I, I started using it for my profile photos. And, and then people started coming up to me going, even if I was not wearing green, they would say, you're the girl in the green dress, aren't you? And I became the girl in the green dress, the lady with the green dress. And what I realized was that that color started to be associated with me. So then every time I spoke, I wore that color. Every time I'm on a podcast that has video, I wear that color. Every And it does not the same dress. It's, a, you know, different shades, different forms of it. But I'm actually wearing it right now. Um, but like every time that I do something for my business that's public facing, I make sure that I'm wearing green. And when I started to do that, like you said, I started to see it come back to me and I started to more embody that brand instead of just it being, oh yeah, that's my logo or, oh yeah, that's, those are my brand colors. I started wearing it every single time I was in public for my business. And now most of my wardrobe is green. Um, I rare, I have very few things that aren't green now. So most of my wardrobe is my everyday wardrobe is green. But when I started to do that, I started to see people say, they came up to me and say, I saw your green the other day. I saw something, I saw a car that was your green. I saw a dress that was your green and it's Kelly green. It's not like it's a fancy color or, you know, I had it specially mixed or anything like that. Like it is just a regular, normal, everyday color that's on a lot of things and a lot of companies use it. But because I had embodied it and every time I went somewhere, I was carrying a green bag. I was wearing a green shirt. I was wearing a green dress. I was wearing green pants, you know, whatever. Everything that I did was green. And when I would meet with clients, I would have a green notebook. When I would, you know, give my clients a pen, it, it's a green pen with my logo on it. So all of that to say that when you are able to embody something like that, you do create a brand around what you can repeat. So me repeating that green dress or that green shirt or whatever, that green color um, really helped me help people to see me as that. And that, like you said, it doesn't take much. Um, you, you say it three or four times and then people are like, oh yeah, that's the beer guy, you know? And so <laughs> once you are able to do something repetitive like that, but it takes consistency, you had to be consistent to a point and then you don't have to be as consistent. But if you stop doing that and those regulars filter out and new people filter in, which is what happens in our businesses all the time, clients come and go, right? New people are always coming in. If you're not consistent with it after that, the new people are going to go, what is he talking about beer guy? What do, you, what do you mean? What does that even mean? Or they won't even ask. Uh -huh. They'll just be like, well, some inside joke doesn't matter to me. But if you're consistent with those types of things and I like, I'm consistently wearing green, even though my clients already know that I wear green and that's part of my brand, new people don't. And then new people see it and they're like, wow, she is really taking the branding to the next level, to heart. And that helps them to realize they need to do that. I write with green pens in my notebooks, like, <laughs> like all those things. And so I really think that when you have something like that, when you're doing a brand, 
Consistency is key. And that's what helps the new people that are always coming in. Cause you always have to assume they are yeah. the new people that are always coming in that they will actually embody that as well. And also understand what you're trying to get across when you're creating that brand. Yeah. You have a lot of green. I can tell you that. Yep. <laughs> when, when people, when people come to us and they want to be on the business creators radio show, uh, sometimes they're referred by agencies. Sometimes they're referred by themselves. Sometimes I can't tell which is which uh, <laughs> I have a little bit of a vetting process that I go through. Now the listener may be thinking, Oh, so he asked for examples of them being interviewed on other shows. Uh, no, I don't have time for that. <laughs> because uh because i assume that if you're putting yourself forward as a prospective guest you know what you're doing it's up i mean it's up to i mean i this is one of those things where trust but verify is in place but i have yeah. to naturally assume that if you're in business you can have a conversation uh and uh and and when i'm and when i'm going to be a guest on other people's shows i i don't go back and listen to other episodes they've done because it's my expectation that the host knows how to manage your own show And if there's something they need me to know, they'll tell me about it in advance. And otherwise, they know how to control the conversation so they get the result they're looking for for their listeners. So, but here's my vetting process is actually fairly simple. uh, And it consists of just a couple things. One of which is I check their social media to make sure they don't act like a complete jack wagon on there. (laughs) I don't want my name uh, mixed up with a bunch of BS and tomfoolery and Mm -hmm. and divisive, hateful stuff. so I, so I check on that. And then the other thing I look for is really for me to be able to quickly scan their information and figure out what the value would be to have them on my show. In your case, uh, since we're discussing absolute marketing, which is something that you've developed, and the way you submitted the information to us or your agent or your assistant, whoever does this for you, I really don't know. I get so many of these. But yours jumped out at me because you had clarity in terms of what the value is that you deliver to a prospective listener. You also have a nice page on your website uh, for people who, who are who may be interested in booking you as a guest. But the point is, you have your basic stuff together, and you have it distilled into something that's very simple, where somebody can glance at it. Because, as I said, I'm not going to listen to other interviews you've done. I assume you know what you're doing. Right. I need right. I need to know very quickly what value you bring to me because I'll make a decision like that as long as I can see that value and I can check out your social media and not acting like a jackass. Can I tell you uh, an open secret? Yes. <laughs> Don't tell anybody, okay? Yeah. Uh, this is the 120th podcast I've been on since March. Okay, so uh, over so over a hundred <laughs> shows in a year—that's great. Yes. Congratulations! Uh, yes. And I'm the one, and I'm the one whose voice is a little short today. I find that ironic. <laughs> well, I think it's I think it's good though because and you going through your vetting process because that does show that you know it, it, getting on a podcast is not necessarily an easy thing. A lot of people think it is. Oh, no, it's not. I I have a booking agency, In Demand Expert. Uh, I mean, the the song says it ain't easy being a pimp, believe me. (laughs) But yeah, I think think that um, it's a worthwhile effort uh, to try to get on them and to try to learn to hone your pitch. And like you said, have that clarity um, and to actually bring something that's, you know, of use to the audience. And I, I hope that I've, I've done that today and given people some nuggets they can take away and, 
and utilize in their in their small business. Yeah, you're green, but you're not mean. I get it. And uh, <laughs> absolute marketing with five pillars, as I as I have done so many times, speaking from stages on other people's shows on my own show, I tell people that if there, there's something that a lot of people have in their business, and if you have it in your business, you it's, you absolutely should get rid of it right now because you don't need it and you certainly don't want it, and it's probably getting in your way. And that is traffic to your website get rid of it <laughs> thinking what uh hey Beavis. uh <laughs> so yeah here's explain the, that. here's the point here's the point traffic is the reason i don't commute what <laughs> is a website is that a home page about page product page webinar page podcast page sales page privacy policy page all those things can be websites and a website can be all of those things. What I'm looking for are visitors to my web pages who are pre-qualified, prepped and pumped, the three P's of website conversions. So I've taken something commoditized and simply renamed it. <laughs> and in the meantime, I'm that guy that says, oh, you shouldn't have traffic to your website. I've, I've, <laughs> I've actually had people want to fight me over that one, believe it or not. <laughs> like what kind of like, like like everybody don't listen to this nut job you think she shouldn't have traffic to your website and they're actually saying that with tonality like it's fighting words well, like, I would, like, I like who would hire this freaking moron <laughs> i had that happen to me once i had a i had a heckler and i i had to i had a lot of fun with that one believe me well, I agree with you um, in, in what you're saying that you want those qualified leads. It's not just about, yeah. hey, let's just send a ton of traffic because it's the same thing when, you know, and I'm using the realtor example again because it's, it's very prevalent right now. Realtors um, are fun. You know, it's, it's, you don't want 30 million people trampling through a house, right? You want Correct. five qualified people who can actually afford the house to walk through and say, is this the home for us or not? And so I totally agree with you. And I think that that really comes down to, you know, really making sure that the messaging that's out there ex externally, so social media, blogging, email marketing, and, you know, podcasting, even uh, those kind of things, that external messaging has to, what, like what you said, get those three P's in order so that when they actually do land on your website, they're already ready to go. And um, I find that this happens a lot through, like you mentioned, speaking on stages and doing summits and doing podcasts. So I think if people were able to, able to include that in their marketing and actually get themselves on podcasts or get themselves on stages or speak at different things, that's what's been the most profitable for me is not just that I'm getting maybe or maybe not getting paid to speak there, but that I'm actually able to share with someone the expertise that I have in a real context that they can take away and say, that was, that was great. Rather than having to sit there and read through a whole freaking website for, you know, whatever, like that doesn't mean anything to them because there's no action or no, nothing that's real behind it necessarily, because it's just words on a page. But when they can actually hear someone speak, they can ask questions, even like in a, in a regular talk, um, they can experience what that person has to say first firsthand, then it really does give that um, credibility and allows them to be qualified. Either they're going to go, yeah, that person's great. Let's move forward. Or no, I don't, I don't need that. I'm moving on to something else. Um, and so, so I totally agree with you on that. And I actually said something uh, similar, sort of similar on a podcast a couple of months ago. I said, people should be sick of their websites. You know, people think they have to, well, I don't like that anymore, or that was my old stuff, or, oh, I'm, I'm over that now, or I need this to be changed. 
we need to be sick of it. We, we look at it every day, but our clients don't. And we want it to be clear and concise. And if we're constantly fiddling with it, then it can really make it less clear and less concise just because we don't feel like we like it anymore or we're bored with it. Yeah. So I think people should be sick of them. And like you said, they shouldn't be having traffic come to their websites. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Traffic. Yeah. See, you, you, you understand it's the idea of renaming something to make yourself number one in a niche. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, in, in fact, I learned that tactic from Alan Weiss. I, I remember him, uh, say, I was at a, it was a Saturday morning. I was seeing a three hour talk he was doing and he, and he basically, I can't remember his exact words, but it's where I got the idea. He said, all right, so if you're in a commoditized market and you're a me too, uh, in terms of, you know, you're the same, you seem like the same as everybody else, just rename it. Now you're number one in a new market. Yeah. <laughs> It works. It really does. And I, yeah. I think that goes back to the branding as well. Like no, no one else is doing absolute marketing. I am correct. I mean, somebody might try, but as trademarks, yeah. they can't. <laughs> now we have about, now we have about 10 minutes left here and I'm going to take a 30 second, uh, you know, mention that in my book, Groundhog Day is an event, not a business strategy in the S chapter, we mentioned uh, somebody we knew that actually edited their way right out of business. Uh, the, Every week they would go over their website over and over and over again. And they would ask for hundreds of dollars worth of changes based on, they would literally jump every time anybody gave them any feedback at all. <laughs> and then they would complain about our invoices that keep firing us for somebody else who would leave them high and dry, that beg for our help. And then finally they, then finally, I didn't mention this in the book, but they actually uh, tried to claim that we were uh, fraudulently running charges on their card because they didn't like our invoice. That's how, that's how demented this person was. But anyway, but anyway, uh, at one point before it got to the, uh, to the point where they actually thought that they were going to screw with my chargeback record, which is one of the best ones out there, by the way, uh, we have like, I think one in 17 years. It's, it's, yeah, actually it's two, but in one case, the person literally did it by accident by checking the wrong box on their credit card. And I had the client write the letter to have it reversed and the money given back to me. That tells you oh how good goodness. we are, uh, how good we are about handling money. But anyway, uh, I said to this client at one point that maybe they maybe people would stop leaving them high and dry and maybe they would be a happier person in general if they spent less time editing their website and more time promoting it and yes. this leads to a segue <laughs> that jumps off your segue that uh, takes us to where i think we'll get the most value in the few minutes we have left here is what in 2021 or 2022 or wherever we are right now leads to a website that actually converts what, what what are the best practices that people should be thinking of if right now they're looking at their annual website overhaul okay this is going to sound really strange now go for it but i do this with my clients and it works so so well especially if you're not a writer and even if you are a writer sometimes that's that's worse because <laughs> then you know too many things um but i have my clients record themselves telling me or someone they know about their business. They record it on their phone in a, um, you know, voice memo or something like that. Okay. Not a video, just audio. Thank and you. go ahead. then we transcribe it and we use that as the basis for the new, clear, concise, and very, um, just, just straightforward copy. 
And we, you know, adjust it, add the right words. Or if somebody says, um, we take that out, things like that. Right. But really what we do is I do that because when someone is talking to another person and they have this one-on-one interaction, they can sell their business like nobody. They can do, they say all the right things. They convince that other person. I've seen people sell, you know, 10, 20, $30,000 products in five minutes because they were able to speak to someone one-on-one. You get them in front of a room of people, yeah. they go totally rigid. They're like I'm paralyzed. They have, you get them to write something for their website or for a blog post or social media, no, paralyzed, can't do it. And, and they get writer's block and all kinds of stuff. You just even ask them to write something or to, to tell you something about it. They just, oh, I can't, <laughs> just anxiety, right? So right. if you record yourself though, you find that the language that you use in speaking to someone, a friend, another colleague, whatever, or even just when you're selling someone on the phone, just record your phone call. If you do that and you listen back to it, the language you use that's conversational, the stories you use to sell something, the the anecdotes you inject into that sales pitch are real. That's how you actually sell something. And if you can get that to translate to your website without it being some video that you look scared to death or, you know, um, just a ton of text that someone wrote for you that kind of understood your business, but it's just real conversational questions or information that you would actually ask or tell someone when you're actually talking to them in a sales call, then that is the most clear. And so I think a lot of people have too much text and content on their sites. Yes. They don't have enough calls to action. So record yourself speaking to someone in a real sense about your product, about your business and how you would actually sell them. And then take that text and, and, you know, take that, transcribe it, put it on your website, tweak it a little bit to make it sound, you know, normal. And then make sure that you have calls to action on every single page, even your about page, which is your most viewed page of most websites. That's, that's a little known fact, by the way, uh, backed up by years of analytical studies. Uh, you know, what a lot of this really comes down to is uh, just natural authenticity. You have people yes. record themselves speaking about how they would describe their business if they were having a conversation about their business. And the more you can get your copy on your website to align with that, the more likely you are to attract people because authenticity is, and we discussed this on another episode of Business Creators Radio very recently, uh, trumps so many things. Uh, like I, I've been, I've been had these people say that I have to do video. It's like, it's like, no, all I have, no, the only thing I have to do is die someday. And they may, and they may solve that one before I get there. Uh, you know, the old saying about, uh, the only two things that are certain are death and taxes. Well, to me, death is the only one that's certain because, uh, with really good tax planning, you can deal with the other. <laughs> Uh, so it's just, no, I don't have to do video at all. Uh, I might sporadically, and I'm, and I'm, I mean, very sporadically, uh, do a video live stream on either of my social media platforms. Notice I said either, not any, because I only participate in two. And, uh, <laughs> and that's my decision, by the way, because that's what's authentic to me. Uh, but as far as uh, me turning on a webcam and what have you, the only time you're going to see that is if I'm on somebody else's podcast or, or internet show or something like that. And they want me to, because they're giving me space on their platform. I'm going to honor their requests. That's it. Yeah. And I'm I think not going to, I'm not going to do it for my, myself because 
for me to do that is every you know people know that's not authentically me i have a i have a vo- i have a face for radio but god also gave me a voice for radio so at least he was consistent with the attributes <laughs> I mean, my voice is doing so well you today do. but we'll bit all the same and but you're also you're playing to the strengths right um yeah. and, and also you're going out of your comfort zone when necessary but you're staying in your zone of genius when is you know they're on a regular basis which is where you should be Last time I did a live stream on Facebook, I spent three days asking, why did I do this? Now, yeah, I got, yeah, yeah, I got three high quality leads from it. Uh, that's awesome. So, yeah, for that reason, I'll occasionally do them because people actually seem to like them. But I don't. Yeah, uh, I'm, be- I'm, I'm, better, I'm better with the written word and the audio spoken word. And so last question for you. Yeah. Are you on Clubhouse? No. <laughs> Because 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 they well they they have not made an app for Android. I'm not going to get an iPhone so I can <laughs> hang out with the cool kids. I mean, I already went through high school once. No, but seriously, but seriously, um, I know that there are folks that are doing really great with that platform. Um, a friend of mine is actually in the process of, he'll likely be first to the post of writing the book on how to grow your business with Clubhouse. I'm really looking forward to reading it. Not that I'm going to do it, but I'm really looking forward to reading it. And I see friends of mine that are doing very well with it. So a larger point is there are different modalities for different people. You find the one that works for you, where you're going to have the best opportunity to attract the people who will fly in your flock with you. Exactly. I totally yeah. agree. And I am and, so glad that you had me on today. So thank you so much. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, a lot I, of fun. I, I knew this would be hilarious. Now, you have five pillars to this absolute marketing system. And uh, I intentionally just babbled on and on and on and on to make sure that we didn't get to all five of them. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, <laughs> the fact is, we didn't get to all five of them. And I know that there are folks out there who are very curious about what needs to happen with their website here in 2021 so that it converts better. They want their email marketing to work better than it ever has before. They want to solve this, oh my goodness, what do I post on social media today question uh, and the other things that you do. So in the moment we have left, uh, I understand that you have a little something for us. So why don't you uh, tell us about that? Yes, all the tools that I use to do all of these amazing things are in something I call the Pro Toolkit. There's also discounts available for these tools that I use. And it's just a whole tool list, everything I use, nothing held back, everything is there. You can go to our website, getabsolutemarketing.com to get a link to sign up for that. And it's a free free, uh, access to that. Oh, awesome. Very good. So uh, again, go to getabsolutemarketing.com and follow the instructions you'll see, and you'll be able to get uh, you'll be able to get what Elizabeth is going to share with you. So the pillars are uh, creating a correct connected brand, website in a day, algorithm-proof social media, breaking down the blogging barrier, and leveraging automatic automated email marketing. And my voice is so bad, I said I mispronounced the word barrier, but it is the fourth one. <laughs> We're breaking it down, the blogging barrier. So uh, Elizabeth Pampalone, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, it's been an honor and an education. My voice is about to zero out on me, so I'm about to go have a beer. Sounds good. <laughs> have one with you. Okay. So, so for our listeners, we trust you enjoyed what we shared on today's episode. Please visit our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and be sure to subscribe to your favorite networks. You get even more great episodes like this delivered straight to you until next time. Have a great day. Take care.